everybody. Welcome or welcome back to the Fuel Church Podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us today. We want to thank all of you that give generously to this ministry. It's because of your giving that this ministry is possible. To give, you can visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Are you ready for the word? All right, lock and load. Are you ready? Get your notepads out, get your Bible. If if your Bible's on your phone, get your phone out. If you're making your grocery list, put it away. We're in our series, Peace of Mind. Someone say, Peace of Mind. And we're going to God's Word. Someone say, God's Word. Because this is the prescription. I'm not against doctor's prescriptions. Like I said, I've had to do that at times. You heard the message last week. But uh, not at the sake of forsaking this. The word of God, amen, for our mental health. And we're, we're seeing in this series how many familiar names in scripture dealt with many of the same struggles that we face today. And I don't know about you, that, but that gives me a little comfort to know that some of the heroes of our faith, the men and women that God decided to use and choose also dealt in the area of anxiety and depression and worry and fear, and even some of them suicide, we're going to see today. Um, and so we're looking at these individuals and, and, and seeing through the scripture how they face, they face the same struggles we did when it comes to our mental health, but we're seeing how many of them overcome these struggles, but not by their own strength, but by depending on God. Someone say dependence on God. So let's go where we laugh. I'll get my tongue together. You try to do this four times every Sunday three times, whatever. Let's go where we left off last week, Matthew's gospel. Jesus is speaking. Powerful scripture, by the way, something that you should highlight in your life. And it says this, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and and gentle at heart. And you will find, watch this, rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Are you weary in your soul? Your soul, which makes up your mind, your will, and your emotions. Are you weary? Are you carrying something so heavy that has you worn out? For some, even this week, you've said, I don't think I can take any more. I don't think I take anymore. The the pressure, the weight is so heavy. And I love this scripture because Jesus points out the remedy to the mental health issues we may be facing. He says, hey, first of all, notice he addresses that it's going to happen. Hey, are are you weary? Are you worn out? Are you wore out? Has life got you wore out? Are you, are you carrying something heavy that you shouldn't be carrying, that, that you're not assigned to carry? Jesus is addressing the anxiety, the stress, the depression that we may be facing. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want to teach you something. Take my yoke upon you. Take something else. He's basically saying, let's make an exchange. Let's make an exchange. And I will give you rest for your souls. Rest, rest. And today, somebody needs some rest for their soul. 
some rest for your soul. I don't know about you, but this scripture encourages me that in my time when I'm weary, when I allow the pressures of life, the weight of life to weigh on me and to sit on me, that I can go to a savior and I can make an exchange in the spirit realm. You see, what just happened, we came out of a moment of praise and worship, and it wasn't just so we could stall so I could figure out what I had to say to you. I'm not trying to figure out what to say. Praise and worship is an exchange that takes place. So I give you my worry, and what drops down is peace. And so some of you have never entered into the exchange with God through worship and praise. That I, I, I give you this heaviness that I'm feeling. You, you told me, Jesus, that I could come to you and I could, make it, I could take your yoke and it's easy, it's light. So I'm giving you this yoke of bondage, whatever it is. It could be fear, it could be worry that has attached itself to me. I'm giving it to you and I'm making an exchange. That's why it's so powerful, the time that we have in praise and worship. Those couple moments have the power to refresh your soul to refresh your mind, to refresh you from the week as you've been out in the world, as you've been out doing what you do, there's a refreshment that comes. Today, specifically in the area of mental health, I want to talk about depression. Depression. One-third of Americans today have signs of high-level anxiety and extreme depression. One-third, one out of every three Americans are battling extreme depression. Two things I want you to know before we start this message. Number one is your God is bigger than depression. You need to know that. You need to know that. Number two, you need to know that you can overcome depression and discover God's freedom. And I believe today, by the power of his word, you're going to have some tools. And I believe today your perspective is going to change. Amen? And you're going to find freedom. And you might not have chose, chosen depression, but you can choose whether or not you're going to let depression lead your life and run your life. And you can choose to allow God to do a work in your life in spite of how you feel in your mind, in your emotions, and in your heart. And I'm believing today for some of you that God is going to do something powerful in your life. Come on, how many believe that God is powerful? Come on, how many believe he's greater than human power? that there's supernatural power that can come and freedom can come to your life. I, I firmly believe that the spirit realm is just as real as the natural realm today. If we could see in the spirit realm, there, there are probably angels all around us right now. Come on now. You've been assigned angels, actually, the Bible says. That's another message for another time. But depression doesn't make you wrong. It just makes you human. I said it makes you human. And I've battled depression over the years. Uh, my wife has shared how she has battled it at a pretty extreme level. Um, but I have, I've had bouts with depression over the years. And I want to give you, first of all, three root causes of depression, because you may find yourself falling into one of these categories. The first one is situational. Depression can come because of a situation, a circumstance that happens in your life, a loss, a tragedy, a setback, an expectation that wasn't met right? Situational. We were all dealing with it during the COVID time, right? It was situational. Most of us were doing fine before the pandemic. And then a year and a half out, we were like, we ain't fine, right? Situational. 
So it was happening so long that there was this direct link to what was happening to us and how we felt in our minds. Sometimes it's situational. Sometimes it's systemic, okay? which means it's physical and that it affects the whole body. It might have something to do with the chemicals in your body, the hormones inside your body, how your system works. Oftentimes, a tired soul is a result of a tired body, a tired body. So there is some physical root causes to the way you feel. And let me say this. Let me say this. If this is why you are dealing with depression, if this is the cause of your depression, I want you to know it is not a sin to not be well in your mind, in your mental capacities. It is not a sin to be depressed. Your character, your chemistry is not your character and your illness is not your identity. And there is no shame in seeking medical or professional help for your issues. You need to know that. Because I think it's only in the church where we like to draw this line of distinction between the supernatural healing power of God and the natural healing when God is the healer over everything. He created it all, right? And so sometimes something's off in your body and it causes the depression. The third way depression comes is just satanic attack, just Satan. Now, I'm not one to say there's a devil under every rock, but maybe under every other rock (laughs) in the days that we're living in. I'm not that guy that, you know, something goes wrong in the church. Oh, the devil's in the lights. The devil's in the sound. No, we just got to train some people a little better. The devil's here. The devil's there. But, But I do believe, watch this, I do believe that Satan's coming after you. And he hates you. And he's out to kill, steal, and destroy. And when you get on fire for it, see, some of you are like, I'm on fire for God, and I feel the attacks. Yep. You ever notice when you back off the things of God, things just settle down? And then when you press in, boom. Some of you are deciding to lead small groups, and all hell is breaking loose right now in your life. Because the devil hates that you're stepping up to lead. Am I talking to anybody? I feel a help coming right here. Um. And you may be saying, man, I, I don't, it, it doesn't matter what the root cause is. I just want to be done with this. I want to be free from this depression. Well, God's got a word for you today. God's got a word for you today. How many received that today? Are you ready? I'm going to give you four easy steps how to get into depression. <laughs> if you want to stay in depression, keep doing this. If you want to get into depression, here's four easy steps. And then I'm going to show you God's prescription for depression because we need God's prescription today. Amen. We're going to look at the story of Elijah. Elijah was a great prophet. I want to give you a few thoughts on his life so you get a little context, but he had a very close relationship with God and was used in a powerful way. Many people witnessed the greatness through this man of God, prophet Elijah. He encouraged people. The Bible says that he helped a woman and her son when they were down and out, only had enough food for one more meal. Elijah told the widow that God will provide, and he did. Later, that same woman's son passed away, dies, and by the power of God through Elijah, he was brought back to life. This widow's hope was destroyed through the prophet Elijah. Elijah did many, many other wonderful works by God's hand, but the Bible shows us that even people of great faith that are used by God can get tripped up by trials, circumstance, and challenges in life. And so he finds himself 
in a spot right after a great victory. He finds himself in a spot of depression to the point where he says, I don't even want to live anymore. This is the prophet Elijah, okay? The spot that he found himself in, it was a dark place. But the moment right before that was a wonderful miracle that took place. You see, God had raised up Elijah to confront an evil king named Ahab. There had been 19 consecutive evil kings up to Ahab, but the Bible says that Ahab was worse than all of them. Not only was he evil, but he was married to the definition of evil, Jezebel. Come on, somebody. Uh, When you're picking out baby names, you may want to skip that one. Now, if you've already named your baby that, Praise God. We're praying. And he confronts Ahab because what Ahab did, he turned the people from, a, from the heart of God to serving idols, idol worship, false gods. Elijah calls out the king. He calls him out and he's, he says, you're going to be judged for this sin. And things start to get crazy at the text. You could read it all. First Kings 18, 19. We're going to read some of it here in a moment. And he says, listen, let, let, let's do a prophet showdown. And he challenges Ahab. You're saying that your God is real. You're saying that all these prophets are real and they have power. Well, let's bring them here and let's do a prophet showdown. Let's put a sacrifice on the altar and your 450 prophets of Baal can call on their God and I'll call on my God and let's see whose God answers by fire first. And and whoever's God answers by fire and consumes the sacrifice, that's the God we're going to serve, all right? And Ahab's like, okay, let's do it. And the story goes that they called on their God, nothing happened. Nothing, nothing happened because there's no power except the power of God. Come on, somebody. And then Elijah called on his God and God consumed the sacrifice and all the prophets were destroyed. And the God of Elijah comes through and answers by fire and consumed it. Now let's look, 1 Kings 19 Let's look at this story. Now Ahab told Jezebel, that's his wife, everything Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. I'm going to take you out. You're on my hit list, is what Jezebel would say. He put her on his hit list. Not only was Elijah threatened, his life threatened with death by this evil queen Jezebel, he also felt his work had been in vain, the work he had been doing for the Lord, and that no one was supporting him. And he vocalizes that, and we're going to see that in a minute. So he felt alone. He felt isolated. He was vulnerable. He had some hopelessness that set in. And being human like you and I, all this started to get at him. It started to bring him down. Now, this is right after the great miracle, right after the prophet showdown happened. Elijah said, fire fall, and fire fell. Earlier on in his life, he commanded the rain to stop, and the rain stopped. One time, they needed oil. He said, oil multiply, and it did. He raised the dead son back to life. So he did all the, he saw God's supernatural hand in his life, but he still battled. If Elijah the prophet battled with this, you and I may have times when we battle with it. 
right? So let's look. Let's continue the reading. 1 Kings 19, 3 and 4. Elijah was afraid. He was afraid of Jezebel. She called it. She was going to have him killed. By the end of the day, he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he was while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed, watch this, that he might die. He might die. I've had enough, Lord. <laughs> you ever said that? I have. I've had enough, Lord. I can't take anymore, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Elijah was at bottom. And here's what I know. Here's what I know, because I have experienced all four of these steps that I'm about to give you today when it comes to depression. These can happen very easily in our lives, and so we have to be aware of them. The first step to depression is this. Just wear yourself down. Just wear yourself down. The first step that happens is you're physically wore out. The Bible says that he ran. Someone say he ran. If you study it out, he ran actually 15 miles from her to get to that wilderness that it says in Scripture. So not only physically was he wore out, emotionally, Elijah was depleted. It was the ups and downs of life that wore him out, right? And we can chase success and work ourselves to the bone, never being content. And we can stay in this spot of always being wore out. And if you want to be depressed like Elijah, wear yourself out. Don't rest. Keep pushing. Stay exhausted. Don't take care of yourself. Don't eat right. Don't exercise. Stay busy. Neglect your relationship with the Lord. Stay worn out. Stay tired. And when you're absolutely exhausted, do what he did. Just hide. Just hide. I need you to know today you need margins in your life. So if you're wore down, you may need to look at your life and start to reprioritize your schedule to get some margins. What is margins? It's space for rest and recovery. You need space. You need moments where you get away and you find that rest. And some of you, the reason you're depressed, you're just wore out. You just need a nap. Come on. How many ever had a good Sunday afternoon nap? Thank you, Jesus. I felt the Holy Ghost on that. After being at camp for three days, Lord. So number one, wear yourself down if you want to be in depression. Number two, shut everyone out. Just shut everyone out. That's the best thing to do to stay depressed. Don't, don't run to the people that you know have the answers. Don't run to the help. Don't run to your small group leader. Don't run to that person at church that you know was going through the same thing a year ago, two years ago. Shut everyone out. That's what Elijah did. You, did you see in the text that he told his servant to stay here while he goes into the wilderness? Don't be in the wilderness by yourself. You need the family of God around you. You need the people of God around you. Elijah, Elijah was saying what so many of us say. I'm the only one going through what I'm going through. Come on, you, you ever sent out that invitation and nobody showed up? The invitation of a pity party, reservation of one? You? Nobody understands what I'm facing, so I'm just going to isolate. No, nobody understands, so I'm just going to figure this out on my own. Own. 
Listen, when you're in depression, when you're in a dark place, you're the last person you should be taking advice from. That was for somebody in that section over here. I'm the last person I want to listen to when I'm down in a valley. I'm the last person I want to take advice from. And the human tendency is to run. I, I don't want people to know. I don't want to, they're going to think different of me. I'm a leader in the church. I'm this, I do this. And I, I'm just, I'm just going to shut everyone out. Friends, you need to know we never heal in isolation, but we always heal in community. We, we need community. We, we need people. We need others around us. So if you want to stay in depression, shut everyone out. Number three, if you want to stay there, only just focus on your troubles. Just rehearse them every day. Talk about them on Facebook. That's real fun. Let everybody know, right? Because you're going to get a lot of sympathy, right? Just let everybody know. It's just, uh, it's just me. Woe is me mentality. And just look at your troubles and don't look at any solutions. Just wake up every morning and think about them, talk about them, rehearse them. You know, the word depression means to make something lower than it normally is, to depress, to put down. You know, Elijah doesn't need anyone to put him down because he's putting himself down. And this is what self-pity will do. Pity, self-pity will always depress, not just watch this the way you feel, but it will depress God's purposes and God's plan for your life. So he no longer sees himself as a mighty man of God. Watch this. He no longer sees himself as this prophet used by God, God's voice to the people, because he's so focused on his insecurities. He's so focused on what he's not. He's so focused on the trouble that is around him, so much so that he cannot see the trees through the forest. And when we're only looking at our troubles, our perspective is limited. And we cannot see the solution that God has for us. Hmm? The answer could be right in front of us. For some of you, you come here every week. The answer is right in front of you when you walk through the doors. There's people and there's classes and there's programs and there's counselors. They're, they're here. God has brought people here. God has brought a family to you to help you. Not to look down on you because you're having some issues in your life because we all have issues, but, but, but to tell you with God and with others, you can get through what you're going through. You can make it through. It is possible to have the peace and joy of God back in your life, despite what you've been through, despite what you're going through. It's kind of like what Peter did, right? Jesus had come out of the boat. And as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, for the joy set before us endured the cross. I just got to keep my eyes on Jesus. As long as I'm looking at Jesus, I can walk on water. But the moment I get my eyes off of Jesus and I start looking at the winds and the waves, my perspective changes. And now I'm focusing on my trouble and not my answer to my trouble, which is Jesus. Are you with me? So, so yes, you have trouble. We all, newsflash, we all got it. We're all going through something. If you knew what everybody in your row was going through right now, you may have some empathy and compassion and say, man, I'm going through stuff, but man, did you hear that? Hmm? So, so, so 
Number one, what was it? Four easy steps to depression. Wear yourself down. Number two, shut everyone out. Number three, only focus on your trouble. Number four, just forget God. Just, just forget God. Like he, he really can't help you anymore. And that's what some of you have said. Like God really can't help me. There's no answers for me in the church. There's no answers for me in the word of God. I tried it. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. God's not that big. He can't take care of my depression. I'm going to have this for the rest of my life. It's my cross to bear. That's what Elijah did. He forgot about how big God was. The God who answered by fire is now the God that he couldn't find. And he goes in a cave and he sits down and writes, pins his suicide note. That's what the Bible says. Thank God God intervened and showed up. And it didn't end that way for Elijah. But he forgot about God because he was so focused on his troubles that his troubles were so big, his troubles were so big, and then his God became so small. But when you look at how big your God is, your God gets bigger and your troubles get smaller. Case in point, David went to the front line of a battle And there was a giant that was 10 foot tall who was mocking the God of Israel, who was mocking the whole army of Israel. And David shows up after 40 days and 40 nights of them running in fear from this giant. He shows up 16 years old, pepperoni, pimple face. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Scrawny little teenager. And he looks at the same giant they were looking at for 40 days. He looks at it and he says, yep, big giant. But you know what, army? You know what, guys? You know what, brothers? As his brothers are sitting there. You know what? He's big, but my God is much bigger. Because when the lion and the bear tried to come and steal the sheep, I took care of them with my bare hands, with the power of God that came on me. So your giant may be big, your Troubles may be big right now, but your God is much bigger. I need you to know today, your God is much bigger. You you need to change your perspective. You need to lift up your eyes from whence your help comes from. Your help doesn't come from this world. It comes from the Lord. I feel like preaching with two minutes and 30 seconds left. Are you ready for God's prescription? Here it is. You're picking it up right now at the pharmacy. Here it is. First, First Kings 19, 5 and 6. Then he laid under the bush and he fell asleep. At once the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals. Come on, somebody. Oh, the bread. How many love bread? It's biblical. It's biblical. And when you eat bread on Sunday, those are the Lord's carbs. You're welcome to set somebody free. That's why you came to church. And he drank the water and he laid down again. Look what Elijah did. Look what the angel of the Lord told him to do. You need to eat. You need to drink something. And you need a nap, Elijah. You need a nap. That's what he told him to do. So I want to give you some encouragement, just like the angel gave Elijah encouragement and care. Here's a couple things that you need. Here's God's prescription. Number one, you need to take care of you. You need to take care of you. You need, some, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take care of you and get some rest. 
I know there's some moms in here taking care of a lot of other people. And sometimes the moms, you got to just stop and say, you you need to take care of you. Because if you're empty, mom, you can't pour out into the rest of the family. Dad, if you're empty, you can't pour out. You need to take care of you. And some of us need to stop living life as if it all depends on you. Some of it does, but not all of it. No, no, no. You see, God doesn't have any limits, but you and I do. But even God, watch this, after six days of creating, the Bible says he took a day of rest. Why? Because he needed it? No, it's a principle he wanted to show you and I. That you need a day to rest, to refresh your soul, your spirit, and your body. To take a moment to gather with the family of God to worship God together. And then go home and eat. Come on, somebody. Go get you a steak. Come on, somebody. And take you a nap. That's what rest, that's what the Sabbath is. Let's continue reading. 1 Kings 19. We're still going. Verse 7 and 10. The angel of the Lord came back a second time. So this is the second time and touched him and said, get up, eat again. (laughs) I like that. Anybody like seconds? It's in the Bible. It's biblical, brother. I love that part. He ate again. It wasn't even Thanksgiving. But the journey is too much. So he got up and he ate and he drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into the cave and spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me. The second thing you need to do is you, you need to know that you need the family of God around you. So you gotta take care of yourself, number one, but number two, you need the family of God around you. And this is what God is saying in the scripture, what we just read. If, if you continue reading, God is telling Elijah, you're not alone. And actually he says, I got 7,000 others who have not bowed their knee to Baal. I got 7,000 other family members, Elijah, waiting to encourage you. People of God, people who aren't doing idol worship, they're all around you. Elijah, it, God goes on to say, you're not the only one dealing with what you're going through. You're not the only one going through something. And he begins to show him you need the family of God for support, encouragement, and protection. You see, when I separate myself from the people of God that God has put around me purposely, that's a moment I start to believe that I'm truly alone. And so we need the family of God. The very help you and I need is in the house of God with the family of God. They did a study in 2018, this university, and they, the study came out and it said that regular churchgoers, people that are in church and serving in a part of their local church live nine years longer than those who don't. So if you want to go to heaven early, let's decide to make the family of God a priority. God designed the local church for your spiritual development and nothing can substitute that. Nothing. I I don't care what any other preacher says. I don't, they're, they're teaching all kinds of stuff right now, but nothing can substitute it. Look at Hebrews 10, 25. God put this in over 2000 years ago. And it's so relevant for today. Hebrews 10, 25, let us not give up the habit of meeting together as believers. That's church as some are doing instead, let us encourage one another all the more faithfully since 
you see the day of Christ's return is coming near. Just think, when they wrote this over 2,000 years ago, brother, they thought the return of Christ, Christ was close. The writer of the Hebrews put that in there. How much closer are we now? And he says, don't forsake that. He actually says you need more, not less of church. You need more of God, not less. You need more of groups, not less. More of serving on the dream team, not less. As you see the day of Christ, you need the family of God. Is anybody getting this today? I'm running out of time. I'm over time, but I'm going to give you the last prescription bottle you need. Come on, somebody. Number one, you need to take care of you. Number two, you need the family of God. And the last thing you need is the word of God inside you. Man cannot live on bread alone, meaning natural bread, meaning that steak you're going to eat, you need it, but it can't be alone, but by every word of God that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is called our daily bread. Daily. What does that mean? Give us this day our daily bread, that God has a fresh word for you every day you open this. Every day you open this. Every day you hear the word. Faith is built. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So every time I hear the word in worship, maybe I have a worship song on, maybe I have my devotional on, maybe I'm going through the Bible. Every time I hear the word, my faith is growing. And what happens when my faith is growing? My fears are dying. My worries are dying. My faith is growing and it's choking out worry and doubt and unbelief in my life. If faith comes by hearing, then faith leaves by not hearing. So if you're just going to eat the word, the bread of life on Sunday, you may be a little malnourished come Wednesday or Thursday when the devil comes knocking on your door. You need the word. I I heard someone say this. It said, make the word of God your daily bread, not cake for special occasions. I wrote that down. I'm a note taker. I'm going to close with this scripture. Psalms 42, 11. This is David when he was down. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? He's got a few questions. (laughs) I love that. He's asking God questions. But then he realizes the answer, the remedy to what he's facing. I will put my hope in God. And by the way, I'm going to praise him again. Because there's nothing that will steal your praise like a spirit of depression and discouragement. There's nothing that'll keep you from praising a good, awesome, faithful God than depression. And David realized it. And David realized, my hope, (laughs) I tried a lot of things, but my hope comes from you, God. So now that I've realized that, now that I've walked through this valley, now that I've gone through what I've went through, I I got got a praise back on my lips because I'm going to praise you no matter what I feel like, no matter what I'm going through, because I sometimes have to praise in advance and sometimes I got to praise by faith because I don't see it in the natural eye, but I know when I don't see it with the natural eye that God is working in the spirit realm on my behalf. Am I talking to anybody today? Oh, I feel this for somebody. Somebody's coming out of depression today. Somebody, your perspective is changing today. No longer. You said, I'm going to have this my whole life. And God said, you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. Bow your heads with me. 
all over. You're watching online. I want you to respond as well to these calls. Today, God is speaking to many of you. It's time to take care of you. It's time to get back to the family of God. It's time to put the word back in your life. You've neglected it for a season. And God's not mad at you. He just wants to help you. He just knows the power of that word. For some of you, it's simply taking care of yourself and finding some rest for your soul or your body, your mind. It's, it's telling some people no. <laughs> and you have a hard time with that, but you're, you're going to have to say no to some good things in order to do the God things that he's called you to do. For others, it's your prescription is you need the family of God. You, you've backed off. Maybe stop attending like you used to or life got busy and schedules get busy and can't come. Maybe you can't serve like you used to, but you realize you need the family. For others, you, you, know, it's, you need a group. I, I'm amazed at how many groups they, they, they still meet even after the semester is over. Many people making lifelong friends and connections that are helping them grow spiritually. And God is saying to you, you just need the family. Just get in. Get planted. You grow where you're planted. You grow where you're planted. And for somebody else, it's, it's I need the word back. Like I, I, I used to read on Monday morning, Tuesday. I used to have devotionals. I used to know scriptures. I got away from it. And God is saying, get back. This is my prescription for you. Get back to that. Get back to those moments with God and his word and begin to allow the word to grow you and to fill you. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for speaking to our hearts. God, I thank you that men and women are walking out of this place different because of the power of your word, that chains are being broken of depression in the name of Jesus. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus, we want to pray with you and we're not here to embarrass you or call you up front or anything like that. But if you're here today and you're searching for answers and you, you're just coming up short, but today you realize you need Jesus. He's the hope. He's the hope you're looking for. It really is. He's the hope this world is searching for right now. And so if you've never accepted Christ, it'd be our privilege to pray with you for the first time. Or maybe you're here and you're here every week, but you know in your heart you've fallen away from God and that relationship has been broken. And today you're going to surrender once again, rededicate your life to Christ. Well, heads are bowed and no one's looking. If you're here today, if you're watching online, I want to include you as well. And you need Jesus for the first time or you need to rededicate your life. I just want you to throw up your hand right now all over the auditorium. Nothing to be ashamed of, something to celebrate. Come on, thank you for the hands that are popping up all over. Just keep it up for a minute. There's a lot of hands up. Just keep it up for a minute. Thank you in the way back. I see those hands in the back. I see you in the middle. I see you off to my left and off to my right. So proud of each and every one of you. Come on, if you need Jesus for the first time, if you need to rededicate, throw up that hand. Don't be ashamed. He wasn't ashamed of you when he was naked on that cross, bleeding from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. For you, don't be ashamed to say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Thank you for the hands. Awesome, awesome. Let's all pray, church. Say, Jesus, today I receive you into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior, I believe that you died upon the cross for my sins. I repent of those sins today, 
and I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, let's give a hand clap for our new fan. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. You could take a screenshot, post it on your social media, and tag us. If you ever have the opportunity, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings. For more information on our locations and service times, please visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey. See you next week.